All right, Central, how are we doing today? It is great to have you here. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here at Central. Also wanted to welcome those of you joining us at one of our Central locations. Big shout out to our friends in Kingman, Arizona. Also to Central Summerlin and Sunrise Mountain. Also Central Southern Highlands. Great to have you. Uh, also want to welcome our online audience. Those who are joining us around the country or around the world. It is great to have you. And as always, big shout out to our friends who join us through our partnership with God Behind Bars. We're so grateful to have you here this weekend. Well, today we are continuing our summer series that we're calling Breakthrough. Now, who doesn't want a breakthrough, right? And uh, it's something we all want to experience. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about what it looks like to experience a breakthrough in freedom. Now, when I think about freedom, I think freedom is one of those things that is, is deep inside of all of us that we long for, we desire, we, we want a sense of freedom. And that's not just true about us. That's been true about humanity for, for thousands and thousands of years. You can trace it all the way back to even times in the Bible. You think about God's people when they were slaves in the country of Egypt and they cried out to God. What were they crying out for? They wanted freedom. Uh, you fast forward, God's people in the, in the Old Testament of the Bible, they eventually got uh, uh, conquered. They got carted off to the country of Babylon. And even in Babylonian captivity, the people of God, they cried out to God. What were they crying out to God for? Freedom. I mean, it was freedom at the hearts of the pilgrims that landed on Plymouth Rock. It was for the sake of freedom that the forefathers of this country penned the Declaration of Independence. It was one of the greatest speeches that had ever been, uh, that's ever been delivered by a fantastic man named Martin Luther King Jr. when he spoke the words, I have a dream. The dream was all about freedom. I mean, it was for freedom that compelled people like Mahatma Gandhi. It was freedom that compelled people like Nelson Mandela. I could go on and on and on. It's deep within inside of all of us. We want, we long for, we desperately desire to be free. Here's the greatest news in the world. God has made freedom possible through the person of Jesus Christ. The truth for you and I is that we can experience freedom through the person of Jesus. Uh, one of the things that Jesus said, he says these words, they're going to come up on the screen. He says this, he says, if the Son sets you free, you are, help me out, you're truly free. That if the Son sets you free, that, that the Son's reference to Jesus, if Jesus sets you free, you are truly free. Now, if you ever pause for just a moment to think about, like, what does freedom really mean in Christ? What, is it, what does it mean to experience spiritual freedom that God has given us in the person of Jesus? I mean, think about all the different things that God has given us freedom from. Uh, God has given us freedom from our past. Uh, God has given us freedom from sin. Uh, through Jesus, we have freedom from shame. We have freedom from guilt. Uh, the truth is when it comes to freedom that we can be free from fear, we can be free from self-doubt so that we can live in our own self-worth, we can be free from worry, we can be free from the need to be accepted by others, we can be free from the need to accumulate more stuff, we can be free from the need to even be uh, appreciated by others. We can be free from any kind of judgment or any kind of condemnation that anybody brings our way. God says when the sun sets you free, you are truly free. And the truth is, for all of us, that's a proclamation that God has given you. You are a free individual. But I don't know if your experience is anything like mine, but I read Jesus' words when he says, if the Son sets you free, you're truly free. But it's almost like he was drawing a distinction between God's declaration over our lives that you are a free people 
what it means to be truly free, in other words, that be descriptive of our experience. I I don't know if your journey's like mine, but sometimes God has declared me free from sin, but I still live somewhat captive to sin. Uh, That I've been free from my past, but I still worry a ton about my past. Uh, That I've been declared free from fear, free from worry, feel from the need to be accepted by others, but I live as though I still need that approval of others. And in my life, many times, there is a clear disconnect between God's declaring me free and my experience being one that I truly am able to live free. And so the question becomes, how do we experience the freedom that God has provided for us? Because too many of us, myself included, walk around so often not living in the freedom that God has provided for us to live in. But what if? What if the thing that we resisted the most because our fear was that it actually compromised our freedom was actually the very thing that if we are willing to embrace will lead to our freedom? Uh, This entire series that we're calling Breakthrough is built on the New Testament book of James. James was a book that was written by a guy by the name of James, uh, who was the younger brother of Jesus. Now, if you've been with us the past couple weeks, you know this about James. James doesn't mess around. Uh, James is pretty hard-hitting. He's kind of in your face. He's kind of up in your business. He kind of just tells it like it is. He is action-packed, very short book, but man, he packs a lot of punch in in a really short book. And so if, like at first reading, at first glance, sometimes we can get a little offended, maybe be a little bit defensive when it comes to James, but if we're willing to set that aside, James has some incredible wisdom that if we lean into, you and I truly can experience a breakthrough. And when it comes to freedom, James is going to make a case that the thing that we sometimes resist because we feel like it compromises our freedom is actually the secret ingredient for us to experience the freedom that we long for. The secret ingredient, according to James, you ready for it? Obedience. How many of us are excited to hear a message on obedience, right? Uh, turn to somebody near you, high-five them, and be like, man, we got obedience today. We're fired up about, we're fired up about obedience. That was very obedient of you guys to do. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, when it comes to obedience, uh, it's, it's, it almost has a negative connotation for a lot of us, myself included. That, that it's usually the thing that I, I sometimes resist. So for example, uh, if I'm on the interstate and I'm driving and it's a little bit later at night, there's really no traffic, I see that speed limit sign. I'm generally not thinking obedience. I'm generally thinking how much over that can I go without getting pulled over? I don't want the consequence, but I'm not really that crazy about obedience. Uh, How many times have I sat on an airplane? You know, I travel a little bit. And how many times have I sat on the airplane that I've heard that announcement come over the intercom where they say, now it's time to turn your phones into airplane mode. My phone has never been in airplane mode. I don't think one time in my life. I've never done that. Uh, Now you don't want to ride on a plane with me. I don't know. know, Supposedly maybe there's some interference of some kind. I don't know. But I, I typically don't do it. I mean, how many times, you know, have we gone to a doctor and the doctor says that we need to eat differently or we need to exercise more and we just immediately jump right out and we just, we just make it happen? Uh, typically, that's not our story. That for whatever reason, you know, we can be a little bit obedient resistance when it comes to our own journey. But James will contend that we've got to lean into obedience if we want to experience a breakthrough in freedom. So anybody who wants to experience freedom... 
not just being declared free, but truly live our lives in such a way that we really are and we experience God's freedom, the first principle that he will call us to look into is this. He says we've got to be people who are willing to look in the mirror. We've got to be somebody who's willing to look in the mirror. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in James chapter 1. Uh, we've been in James chapter 1 for the last few weeks. We're going to hunker down there again one more week. And here's what James says. James chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 22. Help me out with the red letter word. It says this. It says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And so here's what James sets up this dichotomy. He says, you can't be somebody who just hears God's word. You've also got to be somebody who does what it says. And notice he doesn't say that like this is what separates somebody who's a good person from somebody who's a bad person. He, he takes it to another level where he says this is an issue of fooling oneself. There's another translation that says you're only deceiving yourself. What in the world is that about? Well, he picks up in the very next verse. Here's, here's what he says in the very next verse. He says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. See yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. It's kind of an interesting example. Uh, but we all know the experience. How many of you have, have looked into a mirror even today? Some of you are like, I haven't, and that's why I look like this. Sorry about that, right? Uh, now, when it comes to my own family, you know, we, we, we look into a mirror, and, and depending on which mirror of, uh, when it comes to my family, depending on which member of my family, depends on how much time people spend looking in the mirror, right? Uh, so my wife sometimes, when she's getting, you know, dolled up for a particular night, she'll spend a little bit of time in front of a mirror, and I'll tell you what, she looks stunningly gorgeous when she steps away from that mirror. Just so you know, she looks stunningly gorgeous before she stepped in front of the mirror, too. Now, me, on the other hand... I'll spend some time in front of a mirror, and some of you look at me and you say, Sean, you should spend a little bit more time in front of a mirror. And I'll just say to you, man, I do the best I can with what I got. This is all I got. Now, when it comes to my kids, my kids don't spend enough time in front of the mirror, right? Uh, when it comes to my kids, sometimes they'll wake up, they got bad head, they got hair going everywhere, and I'm like, have you looked in a mirror? Like, do you, do you know what you look like? And so that's James' analogy. He basically says, it's like somebody who's about to go to an event or about to go to a party. And they take a look at the mirror and they, they notice all's not square in the mirror. That their hair's all looking like crazy style. That, that uh, they, they, there's a little like hangy down thing coming out of their nose. Uh, you know, they still got last night's dinner within their teeth. And things are not all square. And then the person just walks away from the mirror and just goes to the party anyway. And you roll up to the party, you roll up to the whole group of people, and one of your friends pulls you aside, and you're like, hey, bro, your hair looks like you stuck your finger in a light socket, and you got a little something-something hanging from your nose. And I don't know what you ate last night, but please don't share it with me, right? I just, I'm a good friend. I'm, I'm trying to help you out. And what if my response was, yeah, I know those things. I, I looked at the mirror before I left. You looked at the mirror and you know those things? And you still rolled up looking like that? And that's what James says. He says it's basically like somebody who looks at themselves in the mirror, sees some things that need to be adjusted, and does nothing about it. 
He says that's like somebody who hears God's word and does nothing about it. And it kind of causes me to kind of think about, like, what does that mean and what does that look like? In other words, what James is warning us about is, is, is being somebody that, that hears God's word. And so that could happen in a lot of ways. Maybe that's because somebody's reading God's word, is reading the Bible, is understanding it, is interested in it but yet not applying it to their lives. Or, you know, maybe it's somebody who, you know, comes to Central, they're sitting as a part of a weekend experience. Man, Pastor Judd is laying it down. It's amazing, it's compelling, it's inspirational. But I'm not gonna do anything about it. He says, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror, recognizing what might need to be different and not doing anything about it. And James rises that to the level of somebody fooling themselves deceiving themselves. Now, I'm as guilty as anyone when it comes to that experience. How many times have I sat in a weekend service or how many times have I read God's word and not put it into practice? And so I've had to ask myself, like, why do I do that sometimes? And, and, and why do I live out the illustration that James provides for us? Uh, there's probably a number of reasons why that's true for me. Here, here's one of them. Sometimes for me, I don't look at God's word as a mirror. Instead, I look at God's word as a set of binoculars. How many of you own a set of binoculars, right? Uh, I, I don't use these very often. Uh, I typically use them when I go to a sporting event because I'm too cheap to sit close, and so when I'm sitting in the nosebleeds, I like to you know, look and kind of see something a little bit closer. It's, it's amazing with binoculars how close up and how detailed you can see you know, certain things. So if I'm at a baseball game sitting in the third deck, you know, airplanes are flying below me, I can get in the binoculars and I can read every name and every number on every jer jersey. If I look through the binoculars, I mean, I can sometimes even see things as detailed as dirt on cleats. I can look across the stadium, I can see the dude that just dropped nacho cheese on his lap. You know, you can see amazing, amazing details when you look through the binoculars. The challenge is sometimes when we hear God's word, whether it's in a church service, whether we're reading it ourselves, we don't look at it as a mirror to look in our own lives. We look at it as a spirit pair of binoculars to look at the detail of how it applies to everybody else. How many times have I sat at Central listening to Pastor Judd lay it down? I mean, just give a powerful, inspirational, compelling message, and I'm sitting in my seat thinking, Man, I hope Lindsay's hearing this. It is like everything in me not to throw an elbow like, are you getting this? Man, if you were to apply this to your life, everything becomes better in our marriage. I mean, are you getting this? And at the same time, what's running through her mind is, man, I hope Sean's getting this, right? Because if Sean were to make some changes based on what Judd's talking about, man, things would really, really be different. And, and, and how often do we do that? That we don't look at God's word as a mirror to look into our own lives. Instead, we're looking at his binoculars, trying to apply it in detail to everybody's life around us. The word of God was never intended to be a set of binoculars. The word of God was created to be a mirror to look into our own lives and our own journeys. I remember a, a counseling session that I was in years and years ago, and there was a, a man and his wife, and they were pretty upset, and they were really struggling in their life. And I remember the, the guy saying to me, Pastor, tell her what God says about what she's supposed to do in this relationship. And I said, well, 
how about we start with what God says to you? Because the truth is, you need to get your hands off other people's verses. And start really taking a good look within. Sometimes we hear God's word and we don't put it into practice because we treat God's word as applicable to everybody else instead of really taking the hard look and figuring out how does it actually apply to me. And my encouragement and my challenge from us that I think comes directly from the book of James would be this, that every time that I'm a part of hearing God's word, again, whether that's in a weekend experience or whether that's a part of reading on my own, every time that I interact with God's word, the, the most important thing is to think about this question, what is one thing that I need to do with this that I've heard? Like, what, what is one thing that I need to put in practice in my life? And I promise, if every single time you come to Central, every time you sit down with, with, with the Word of God, every time you do if you just choose one thing and put it into play, your life will never be the same. It will be a breakthrough in your experience. And so sometimes we live out James' illustration because, again, we're not willing to look in the mirror. But I think there's other reasons why sometimes we experience this illustration of what James describes. The, the second piece is this. I, I think sometimes we hear God's word, but we don't do what it says because we're convinced that knowledge is enough. In other words, we live in a culture, maybe a Christian culture that suggests that the more you know, the more mature you are. James would say, not true. That maturity is not connected to greater knowledge. James would say, maturity is not defined by how much you know. Maturity is defined by how much time passes between when you hear God's word and actually do something about it. The shorter the time frame, the more mature the individual. Uh, years ago, I, I had the opportunity to, to travel to the country of Haiti, and I was working with some local churches there. We were starting up a work that was going to bless some kids in the community. It was an amazing, amazing time there. But I remember a conversation I had with one of the pastors there, and we were, we were kind of talking about the difference between being a pastor in the country of Haiti and what it was like to be a pastor in, in, in America. And he said this, this statement to me that I've never forgotten. He says, what's it like to be in America where people's knowledge far outpaces their obedience? I'm like, I don't know how to respond to you. I want to be offended. I don't, what do I say? But that's always stuck with me. And how true sometimes that our knowledge far outpaces our obedience. But it's our obedience that becomes the secret ingredient to experience our breakthrough in freedom. Let me take it one step further. Uh, to some of us, this will feel a little scandalous, and so uh, let me get all the way through it before you throw any rocks at me, okay? Um, I'm pretty convicted about this notion. The Word of God is incredibly powerful, but the Word of God in of itself cannot change your life. I don't care how much you read, I don't care how many times you roll up to church, the Word of God in of itself won't change your life. But when the Word of God is lived out by the power of the Holy Spirit, your life will never be the same. Feel the difference? 
And so I'm deeply convicted by this reality. Information does not lead to transformation. Information, which leads to application by the power of the Holy Spirit, will lead to your transformation. Information is good, it's helpful, you should seek it. But when it's not applied, it does absolutely nothing. Now, it's not that I'm down on knowing more. Uh, I actually would applaud somebody who's seeking to know more. Uh, one of the things we've actually talked about around Central over the past couple week, weeks is, is a great opportunity we have around here that's called Central Academy. I'm incredibly passionate about Central Academy. I love the Academy. I love what it does in people's lives. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, people to grow in their understanding of leadership, people to grow in their understanding of Scripture. It's absolutely amazing. I would encourage you to dial in, check it out, be a part of it. It is awesome. It is awesome, awesome information. But if it just stops with information it will not lead to transformation. As amazing as the information is, it will not lead to transformation until it's applied. You've got to be somebody who looks in the mirror, recognizes what needs to be different, and actually does something about it. Information that leads to application will ultimately lead to your transformation. That makes some sense? So if we wanna experience a breakthrough when it comes to freedom, what we have to do is be willing to look in the mirror. We gotta look in the mirror. And the ste second step I think that James would tell us is this, is that once we look in the mirror, that we can be empowered to live in God's freedom. Uh, we can truly be empowered to live in God's freedom. Look, look, what, look what James says next, verse 25. He says, but if you carefully look into the perfect law. So it's the mirror illustration again. So if you take the word of God, if you take scripture, if you take leaning in what happens at Central on the weekend, if you take a look at it, he says, if you carefully look into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then look what it says. Then God will bless you for doing it. Now notice what, what James calls the word of God. He calls it the perfect law. Now, again, part of the reason why we're a little bit resistant when it comes to obedience is it feels so restricting, right? That when it comes to rules and regulations, when it comes to laws and all those things, it feels like, man, I want to be free. I don't want to be you know, inundated with all these rules and regulations. That prevents me from being free. But notice what James says. It's not just any law. It's God's perfect law. And that perfect law is actually designed not to hinder our freedom. That perfect law is designed so that we can experience that freedom. It, it kind of reminds me of a, of a conversation I had with my, young, uh, my oldest son not that long ago. Uh, we, we were talking about some different things. We were kind of talking about his behavior. He wasn't trouble in the moment, but he had made some, uh, some challenging decisions in recent past. And he just kind of looked at me and, and he just was very honest. And he goes, Dad, I just don't really like being told what to do. And I thought, that's very honest, and I totally get that, right? That sometimes I just don't like being told what to do. But we had this great conversation, and here's what I said to, to my oldest son in that moment. I said, like, I get that sometimes we don't like being told what to do, but if the person who's doing the talking, if that person loves you like crazy, if that person has an amazing amount of wisdom, if that person has your best interest in mind, if that person has incredible experience, 
you would be crazy not to do what that person's asking you to do. The truth is, as your dad, uh, I have a lot more wisdom. I've got a lot more experience. I've paid the stupid tax on a lot of different issues in life. And because I've already paid the stupid tax, you don't have to learn by your own mistakes, you can learn by my experience. Here's the truth, I love you like crazy. I want what's best for you. I've got some wisdom and experience I wanna share for you, and because of that, if you actually do what I say, I promise your life will be better because of it. If you choose to not do what I say, unfortunately, you're gonna have to pay the stupid tax that I already paid for you. And if that's true with my relationship with my son, how much more true, how much more infinitely true is that in our relationship with God? Here's the truth about God. God is crazy about you. God has infinite amount of wisdom. God has your best interest in mind at all times. God understands the experience because God's the creator of all things. He's the one that made up how everything works. And the truth is, if the one who loves you the most, the one who cares about you, the one that has your best interest in mind, if he's sharing wisdom with you, we would be crazy not to lean into it because it's gonna lead to the best possible scenario for us. Sometimes we don't like obedience because we feel like it's so restricting, as if God is some sort of cosmic killjoy trying to rob us of the true freedom we desire, when in fact, the opposite is true. If we're willing to lean into who God is, we're willing to lean into what he says, we'll actually experience the freedom that we ultimately desire to experience. Freedom is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so if there's an area of our life that doesn't feel very free, the question becomes, am I willing to look into the mirror of what God says about the arena of my life? And am I willing to put it into practice? Because if so, what James says is God wants to bless all that you do, all that you do. It, it kind of reminds me of, of this other thought. Uh, when, when I was a kid, I loved to, to fly a kite. Uh, I remember even my dad and I, we would go out to a park and we would you know, put a kite up in the air and the wind would blow it. I mean, the kite looks so free in the air, doesn't it? I mean, it, it just blows this way and that way. The wind kind of carries it. It looks so incredibly free. But if you've ever thought about this, if you ever were to cut the string of that kite, it would eventually just come down. The reason it's able to be free is that it's anchored in something that allows it to be free. If you and I are to experience freedom in life, our lives have to be anchored in the one who can make us free. God is not a cosmic killjoy. God is not trying to rob us of freedom. It's actually through our obedience to him that's the secret for us to experience a breakthrough in our freedom. And so when it comes to your marriage or your relationship, God does say a lot of things about that relationship and God does talk a lot about the wisdom, the commandments about how to make that relationship the, the best it can possibly be. But God's commandments about that relationship are not intended to be a burden, they're intended to be a blessing. They're not intended to hold you back, they're intended to set you free. God gives us a lot of commandments regarding to how we manage our finances. It's an area that a lot of us don't experience freedom in. And God gives us commandments, he gives us wisdom as far as how much we should save and how we should think about spending, how we should give, how we should be generous. And that's not intended to be burdensome in any way, it's intended for us to be blessed in every way. 
God gives us a lot of wisdom about every single arena of life, but here's what we know about God. God is not trying to put us down. God is trying to lift us up. God is not trying to dominate us. God is trying to liberate us. God is not trying to burden us. God is trying to bless us in every single way. The truth is freedom is attached. It's anchored to the one who will set us free. If the Son sets you free, you are truly, truly free. And so if there's an area of my life that's not feeling so free, here's my encouragement. Go look in the mirror. What is it about that area that seems misaligned from what God desires, or desires for my life? And I've got to see, I've got to understand that. I've got to notice that. And then I've got to change that. And we will be blessed because of what we do. Let me say one other thing that can feel a little scandalous for a moment. You okay with that? Everybody doing okay? All right, buckle your seatbelt. We got one more scandalous thing I'm going to say. I don't even remember what the thing was now that I just talked about being so scandalous. I literally have no idea what I was gonna say. <laughs> what was I even talking about? Scandalous. I have no idea, apparently it wasn't really that important. So here's the deal. <laughs> here's my encouragement to us, is we've got to be people to simply see, see what God says and we put it into action. I remembered what I was gonna say. Here's what I believe. With everything that I am, that God's commandments are not intended to be burdensome in our journey. They're intended to ultimately set us free. But if we're not willing to live it out, we will live a life that is completely shackled. Now, let me be really clear about this, this, this thought. The truth is, this has nothing to do when it comes to our eternal salvation. What we do does not impact our eternal standing with God. It doesn't impact his love for us. It doesn't impact our value in his eyes. That is secure. This whole conversation is not about your salvation and not about your eternity. Your eternity has nothing to do with what you do. Your eternity has everything to do with what he did, okay? Our eternity is not based on what we do. But here's what's gonna feel scandalous. The level to which you feel blessing and freedom is inextricably tied to what you do. Your eternity is based on what he did. Your freedom is tied to what you do. That's a hard statement from James. But James wants to tell it straight to us. He wants to be honest with us about it because he wants you and I to experience freedom. And many times, the reason that you and I don't experience freedom is because you and I get in the way of our own freedom. Again, it doesn't change our standing with God. God loves us regardless. There's nothing you will ever do that will change God's love for you. There's nothing that you will ever do that will, that will compromise your standing in God's eyes. You have been declared free because of the person Jesus Christ. But if you want to live free, our freedom, that blessing, is tied 
to what we do and how obedient we live. And my friends, that is worth our surrender. It's worth our surrender. I don't know where you're at in your journey. And I know for all of us, we, we come from a, a different place. We, we, we bring very different things into this conversation. We bring very different things into this community. But what I know for all of us is all of us at some point in their journey, myself included, I've looked into this mirror. I've, I've heard God's word. I've been in this environment. And I've walked away and I've done nothing. And I've paid the price for that. James says, let's don't pay that price anymore. Let's look into the word of God and let's take an honest look within ourselves. Let's look at what needs to be different and then empowered by the Holy Spirit that God gives us. We can live different. We can live, we can live free. I want you to know today that God wants every single one of us to live in the freedom that he's declared for us. You are free. So let's live in the freedom. You're free from your past. You're free from your sin. You're free from worry. You're free from fear. You're free from condemnation. You're free from other people's judgments. You're free from it all. So live in that freedom. And I want to invite you to live in that freedom today. Again, it will require of you to surrender yourself in obedience to the person of Jesus Christ. And said, so I would invite you, if you've never taken that opportunity to surrender yourself to him, I would, I would love to give you that opportunity today. And so if you would, just simply bow your heads with me, and if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, or if you'd like to even recommit your life to him, if you would simply pray the words of this prayer after me, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. God, give me the gift of eternal life. Help me overcome the challenge I'm up against. I surrender my life to you in full obedience. In Christ's name. And with every head bowed, with every eye closed across all of our central locations and through our partnership with God behind bars, if you made that commitment, if you surrendered your life to him, if you could acknowledge that commitment by simply raising your hand in the air, just acknowledging before God, God, I, I surrender to you, to your word. Father, I desire, God, I desire to live empowered by your spirit, to walk in step with you, to walk in obedience to you. God, I'm the first to, to admit, I don't, I, don't, I don't always get it right. And I understand when I don't get it right, I, I pay the penalty for not getting that right. But Father, I wanna live in your blessing and I wanna live in your freedom. So Father, I just ask, give me the strength when I need strength. Give me the hope when I need hope. God, give me the courage when I need courage to walk obediently with you. Father, I ask your blessing on every single person making a spiritual decision today. We lift them up to you and pray that in the name of your son, Jesus. 
Amen. Let's give it up for those who made spiritual decisions today.